UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans, since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Clint Derringer. On the last episode of the UMGoBlue.com Michigan Football Spectacular, Aiden Hutchinson and Blake Corum described how the new culture was exhibiting itself during games. Communication on the sideline, at least, is at an all-time high, and I think that's a testament to you know our player accountability and how we've built you know this culture in the offseason. Everyone's just um, doing their job. You know, no one's uh, bullcrapping around. Everyone's taking it real serious. Everyone's taking it personal. And everyone just wants to get better each and every day. Jim Harbaugh responded to critics who said that his team was too dependent on the running game. There's a lot of ways to travel. I mean, some people choose to travel on the ground. Some people by air. Um, George Patton was able to get his, his job done on the ground. Neil Armstrong through the air. Last Saturday night, we chose to grind it out on the ground and uh, we're also able to get our mission accomplished. And Christopher Hinton let the fans know that this team was ready to face adversity. You know, every game's not gonna be sunshines and rainbows. Um, we, just gotta, we just gotta stay stout. Now, on episode three of the UMGoBlue.com Football Spectacular, Poise in the Noise, Michigan, Climbs to number 14 prior to the Wisconsin game. And once again, this was a game on the road that many thought would be a pretty stiff challenge. Michigan had not had a lot of success in Wisconsin in recent years traveling there. And uh, Jim Harbaugh addressed, you know, the thoughts of the team as they were heading into Wisconsin. Jim, as a program, you guys haven't won a Madison in a long time. You lost the last two there with you. Yeah. What is, makes makes it such a difficult place to play? Uh, they've just been uh, they're good they're good they're a good solid football team and Paul Chris has done a great job there. Um, their their entire staff they've got got experienced players they've got really good players. Uh, they're they've been a darn good football team. Um, so it's it's exciting to you know have this this opportunity this challenge. Um, See, see how far our football teams come. Um, see if we can win on the road. You know, uh, uh, meet that meet that challenge and uh, at work at work preparing for it. It'll be, it'll be a big task. No question about it. Larry, Jim, your players have often said this fall that they embrace an underdog mentality. Is that something you foster? Is that more? That as players feeling that way. Um, embracing uh, embracing the opportunity. I mean, uh, this football team's been together a long time. I mean, uh, you know, day after day, week after week, for you know, good nine months now. They put in a ton of training, and I, I think they just want to have at it and, uh, and uh, go out on the field and let. Let it be. Let it be judged there. Um, yeah, the underdog. This thing stacked, stacked, stacked up uh, a bit. I mean, I think they do embrace, embrace the challenge of that. Yeah, uh, playing on the road and and uh, keeping your poise in the noise and uh, all things that the team is is learning and growing. Uh, but you know, so far, they're they're picking them up and they're retaining them and. Um, and this will be a big task this week, now playing against a really tough team on the road. Uh, so, yeah, it's things we – but to answer your question, yeah, I think this team does does learn from their mistakes, does grow, does, is, able to, is able to focus and, uh, and concentrate and, and, and improve in the areas that, you know, you, you put in front of them, you ask them to, to, uh, to study and, and put emphasis on, and they – they learn and grow, so that's ex- that's exciting. Now we take another step. So, somewhat coach speak, but you know the coach can only do so much. Okay, the coach can prepare the players, the coach can set the task out, but the players have to accept it 
and have to perform. And as you, you mentioned a little bit ago, there have been times in past seasons where the players have been in the position and they haven't necessarily come through. And I think that this road game was a huge mental test for, for this team because, you know, you know, we've talked about it for, you know, seasons, right? Man, Michigan seems to be a different team on the road. And this was a real chance to, once again, um, you know, playing uh, in front of a big television audience, you know, um, featured game. And, you know, uh, what's going to happen, Michigan? Are you going to, you know, and again, there were a lot of people not only expecting a tough game, but expecting Michigan to lose. And, um, you know, the, the team uh, came out and, and responded. Yeah, Wisconsin at this point had really been through a, a meat grinder of a schedule. Remember, they opened at home against Penn State and lost a really close game in the first game of the season. And then in their third game, um, we're at a quote-unquote neutral field in Chicago at Soldier Field against Notre Dame. Uh, it was a really solid team at the time. And that game was uh, anybody's game in, into the middle of the fourth quarter when all of a sudden turnovers took over and Notre Dame's defense scored two or three times in that fourth quarter. So this team, Wisconsin, was absolutely back to the wall and it was clear that they were going to come out um, swinging. And again, with, with Michigan's a uh, little bit of nervousness coming out of the Rutgers game, and then uh, Wisconsin clearly being, uh, you know, backed up into a corner. Um, everybody was a little bit nervous to see what Michigan was going to do, and then lo and behold, they come out and get get off to a great start, and and really couldn't have asked for a better start in this Michigan Wisconsin game. And I think a lot of people breathed a deep sigh of relief. Uh, on many levels after seeing how Michigan handled their business uh, in Madison. Michigan came out against Wisconsin, won a game 38-17. You know, not an overwhelming day on the ground, running for 117 yards. Um, Hassan Haskins leading with 51, Blake Corum uh, second with 46. Kate McNamara, 17 for 28, 197 yards, two touchdowns. Um, J.J. McCarthy, one for one, 56-yard touchdown. So, you know, in this game, the uh, the passing attack really carried the day. Clint, what did you think about the Wolverines' performance on the road versus uh, Wisconsin? Well, I thought it was I thought it was huge that they went into a hostile environment and executed their their game plan. Again, that was the biggest concern coming out of that Rutgers game and our first four games of the season all being at home. So a lot of adversity and challenge in going on the road anywhere. Uh, bad, you know, uh, Camp Randall is tough no matter what season. It's a tough place to play. Um, and, and they they met that challenge, of course, during the game. And then to see the offense hit on some big plays was also encouraging. There was the, I think the first big pass play was a flea flicker. Um, you know, obviously drawing on how heavy Michigan was running the ball in the first four games and Wisconsin's run defense, typically top five in the nation. And it was again last year, um, really drawing those guys in and then, and then sneaking the receiver. I think it was Cornelius Johnson behind the safety and, and hit a long touchdown. Uh, you mentioned JJ McCarthy hit a long touchdown. So it was nice to see kind of the Neil Armstrong part of the uh, traveling instead of just the uh, the George Patton answered some questions on whether uh, Gaddis could game plans uh, a passing offense to be successful, whether Cade McNamara could execute it. I think those questions got answered to a certain extent. Um, still some concerns coming out of this game, but the way they took what the defense had given them, understanding kind of the inverse of the Washington game, where they're, the best part of the Washington defense was their pass defense, so they ran, ran, ran. The best part of what Wisconsin's defense is definitely 
their run defense and their linebackers in their front, and they they passed it over top of them. So um, we started to get a sense of a lot more balance. It was a big win on the road, and I think emotionally it was big for the Michigan players to be able to kind of absorb that energy and, and really be able to embrace the road environment and uh, and see what it was going to be like to to have success uh, when it's not 110,000 that are cheering for you. Like I said, I, I had expected Michigan to, you know, preseason to struggle in this game. And again, although Wisconsin didn't look good record-wise, as you said, they had had a real tough schedule. And I kind of felt that this was a, a huge game for them in their season. I mean, not just because it was Michigan, but because they had struggled so much, they really needed to come out and throw everything at the Wolverines in this game to try to right the ship. And they were just overmatched. Um, you know, they came out determined to um, defend the Michigan running game, and Michigan showed they could pass. And I think that that was important too because, you know, it's it's – on one hand, it's great Michigan can run, but there were whispers, well, can they only run? Are they running because they can't do anything else? And this showed that not only could they pass, but they had two um, strong quarterbacks, right? Um, Cade McNamara was definitely the starter, but uh, J.J. also had uh, also had something in his, in his bag of tricks. So... You know, again, I think uh, from a fan standpoint, this game really pushed the excitement level up and kind of washed the bad taste of the Rutgers game away because um, there was definitely some of that. And, and again, you wonder when you see the team struggle against Rutgers, oh, my gosh, what are they going to do against Wisconsin on the road? And they came out and just and just take care of business and uh, got things done and – and you know the thing that I loved about this game was, you know, you know sometimes, you know, looking back at the score, you forget that Michigan was only winning thirteen to ten at halftime, right? And remember, they were winning pretty, uh, you know, they were winning against Rutgers at halftime. Came out, scored a touchdown in the third quarter, and then poured on eighteen points in the fourth quarter to leave no doubt. And I really liked that I like that they came out strong in the second half and just piled on in the fourth quarter and to really just um, make the score a lot more comfortable um, than it was in the first three quarters. Yeah. Another, another point that stood out in this game was that uh, you and I discussed kind of expecting the defense to get off to a slow start in the season as they come together. Right. And we talked a lot in episode one about Mike McDonald and the challenge of, bringing in really an all new staff and an all new concept and NFL schemes and getting everybody to kind of be on the same page and play fast. And we saw them have pretty solid success through the first four games. And then in this game, they really provided the lightning bolt that turned everything there right before halftime. So in the Rutgers game, like I said, a couple Wolverines get dinged up and the game shifts in the Wisconsin game, it was the other way around. Uh, Mike McDonald schemes up a blitz, uh, a blindside blitz for Dax Hill. Dax Hill hits Graham Mertz, um, and, and Graham Mertz doesn't play the second half, and Wisconsin's offense is pretty hapless from that point forward. And, and Michigan really had the game in control. So it was the defense and their attacking and, uh, and Mike McDonald's ability to scheme up um, putting his best players in position to make big plays, and and it happened right before halftime. And I, I remember feeling very comfortable um, in the third and the fourth quarters, regardless of what was happening on offense, that it seemed like Michigan's defense was, was in control, that, that Wisconsin wasn't going to be able to find points in bunches and, and try to mount a comeback. You know, we talked about how this team tries to have fun, tries to embrace the moment. Um it was really interesting to me how, you know, one of the traditions they have in Wisconsin is the jump around, right? And it was really fun to see how the team embraced that and 
Coach Harbaugh talked about that as well. The jump around scene that everybody got to see and mm-hmm. your players having fun, and you've been saying that, and we can't always see it like I did on TV or people did in person. I guess um, take us back to that moment. Did you get to enjoy it yourself, and does that show everybody like how this is a group that likes to be around each other, have a good time, and obviously it's carrying over on the field? Long-winded question, sorry. Yeah, uh, no, I mean I have noticed it, uh, you know, for for a long time now, going back to you know the winter conditioning cycle and, and spring ball. I mean, you can just yeah, I can see it in their eyes. They they're having fun playing football. Um, and you know, as far as that, that was like El Natural. That just happened. You know, we had we had talked about early in the week that you know when you go on the road. I mean, you want to. You want to embrace that environment, um, you know, make, you know, make their, their crowd cheering, you know, like, like it's your crowd cheering, um, you know, make their music, your music. Um, and they, I think they, we played that song quite a bit during the week, you know, as, um, uh, crowd noise, et cetera. And, uh, yeah, I think they just made it theirs in that moment. Um, Jim Harbaugh has mentioned previously where when he was a player, um, when he would go on the road and people would cheer the opponents, that he would kind of take that as, hey, they're cheering for me. And you kind of laugh about that, right? But it's interesting how he's kind of introduced that concept to the team, um, whereas something that could be kind of intimidating and kind of energizing for the opposing fans kind of turned it on its head and made it something that, that that Michigan could embrace when they were on the road. Yeah, I mean, how, however you got to do it internally in your own mind to, to be able to embrace what, you know, what the crowd's throwing out there, I think is fine. But it was, it did, he, he set it right back into the same uh, mindset that went back into the preseason about that this team just likes playing football and, and that being in a road environment in these big college stadiums and, and all of the enthusiasm and, and, and energy that comes from the crowd trying to harness that, even though, even though they're not trying to send it to you, you know, you kind of snatch it and take it for yourself and, and build it as energy for yourself and your team. And this was the first time I remember seeing Michigan do that. So outwardly, right. It, it was, um, I think that's why it was notable in the press and, and in the weeks coming, that uh, it was the first time that any of us had really seen the Michigan players kind of doing that outwardly. And, and it was, it came to a head there in the, the jump around uh, tradition for Wisconsin before the fourth quarter, you know, Michigan was jumping too. And it was, uh, it was notable. The TV broadcast showed it. And then everybody was talking about it uh, leading into the Nebraska game. Jim also talked about how, Cade was basically elevating his game, how the team was basically embracing the moment and and trying to continue getting improving as the season went along. Jim, how's uh, Cade become kind of an extension of the coaching staff and the way that he's played? I mean, he hasn't taken a sack, hasn't thrown an interception. Yeah, there was some uh, some real bright spots uh, from the game. The... Uh, the, the one that really struck me the most was uh, how he was able to extend the play, you know, buy time, um, some free runners. You know, talk about not taking a sack. I mean, there was, there was a couple instances where there was free runners at him, and uh, he was able to sidestep. I mean, he had that, uh, that, that sense that, uh, you know, where to escape in the pocket and, and then find a receiver, uh, find an outlet for the, for the ball. I mean, that's... That's something that's uh, really new, um, you know, like just that ability to play dodgeball as a quarterback, you know, just just move out of the way and uh, and then keep your eyes downfield and find a receiver that was that was outstanding and uh, threw some threw some great balls. Cade's doing every. I mean, I would say for I mean, just the whole the whole team, you know, uh, the way they the way they take coaching. I mean, they really listen. Um, they uh, they hear, and then uh, they take that instruction and they embrace it wholeheartedly, uh, and then you know, do their their very best to execute it. Um, 
and and tr and try to do extra and they're you know they they want they want more they want new they want uh, things that stimulate them and um, yeah it's it's uh it's that way with Kate uh, and and a lot of our players you know a, a great majority of our players are like that it was uh, stuff that's just fun just stuff that makes the little hairs on your arm stand up, you know, that they, that, that they do. Um, <clears throat> got back from Wisconsin. We got back pretty quick. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, just unpacking the office and, uh, you know, running to JJ Donovan and Andrell Anthony. And they're, uh, they're heading out to the practice field to, uh, to get some more work in. So I even took a picture of it. It was meant that much to me. So, it's that kind of group. And I wasn't out there in the practice field, by the way. That was just, <laughs> that was just those three. No other coaches were out there. Just uh, three of them throwing the ball around. Um, the jump around. Scene. And I didn't observe it either. <laughs> I said, okay. I can attest I was there and coach left. <laughs> so did I. Yeah, I think it. It points to having kind of a, a growth mindset and continuing to get better regardless of the results. And every single opportunity that Jim had to reinforce that and to praise his guys in the media for, for doing those types of things, he took that opportunity. And even in that clip said that, uh, you know, he snapped a picture of those guys doing extra work because it meant that much to him personally, right? It just – it made him happy as a coach to see that his players unprompted would go and, and do that extra work. It, it shows that, that, that the correct mindset had really permeated all the way down. And again, those are young guys that he mentioned. Those were true freshmen um, that, that were doing that. So uh, it's again, not guys that have been around the program and feel like they need to lead by example but guys that are just in and had just finished their first road game and their fifth game ever in college and uh, really showed that they had that, uh, you know, continuous growth uh, mindset. And it's, I, I can understand why that would make you very proud as a coach. As the team starts to bubble up in the national prominence, as, you know, it started feeling like the old Michigan, like the good Michigan, right? Aiden Hutchinson's profile began to rise. And um, definitely you could see he was becoming a dominant player on the field. And the national media began to notice and the fan base began to notice. And um, Harbaugh was quick to point out that, you know, Hutchinson has been putting in the work. And, you know, it's a great example when you have a player – you know, not only come back to the team, because again, he had the opportunity to go pro, but come back to the team and be such a great example of you put in the work, you have success, and, you know, being being that, that you know, you know, he talked about in the last episode about wanted to come back and reset the culture and come back in the right way, right? You're not just coming back and focusing on yourself and, and being selfish, but you're coming back and putting in the work and being a leader and showing the younger guys, you know, how it's done. And um, it's, it was really, it's really nice to see that kind of um, mentality uh, pay such dividends, not only for the team, but for him as an individual as well. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, you can see in a mock draft where he is, and you can see him on Saturday making plays all over. Where is he? Uh, really high, close to one, maybe one. Um, That's awesome. The That's NFL awesome. keeps asking us for more pictures of him. So um, my question for you is what don't we see in terms of whether it's his upbringing or his preparation, his maturity? What, what don't we see that makes him as good as he is? I think you see it all. I think you really do. I mean, he's – He's transparent as a baggie, you know. He is uh, what you see is what you get. I mean, he just he uh, he loves football. He uh, he's a great teammate. He's a great leader. He does everything right. Um, I still first thing that pops out to my mind, and uh, you know, is when he 
when he went into the strength coaches back in January and said, every day I come in here, ring me out. Uh, make sure I get, uh, get my money's worth and, um, you know, everything. Just make me do it, even on the days that I, I may not want to do it. And, um, and, they, and we said, yeah, okay. It's an all-you-can-eat buffet here in the weight room. And, uh, and he was, they did, and he did. I mean, it didn't have a bad day. Just attacked it uh, the entire offseason. And, and I also go back and observe that David Ajabo was in his hip pocket every, every, every one of those workouts. And that tells you how smart David Ajabo is. And uh, you can see him reaping the, reaping the benefits right now. So, yeah, couldn't, couldn't say enough good things, but I think you know everything there is to know about Aiden Hutchinson. Michigan comes out with the big win on the road. Again, I say announcing themselves with authority nationally. Uh, because, again, if you are a, a, a casual fan, Oh, Michigan's doing great. Yeah, but they struggle against Wisconsin. Oh, wow, they beat Wisconsin, right? So Michigan rises to number nine in the rankings and gets ready to head on another road game to play the Nebraska Cornhuskers and has a scare. And just as when they played Rutgers and seemingly had things in control, Entering, entering halftime, they were leading 13 to nothing. And then the third quarter, Nebraska came roaring back, scoring 22 points. Michigan responded with six. And thankfully, Michigan scored 13 points in the fourth quarter to Nebraska seven to pull out a 32 to 29 victory. But man, I was sweating it there. And I really feel like Michigan dodged a bullet here. What were your thoughts on this game, Clint, looking back? Well, there was a couple things that were, were developing in this in this game. We knew that we had seen some problems with mobile quarterback against Rutgers, uh, especially when Josh Ross was out, as I mentioned, against the option. And Scott Frost's offense is very, you know, very dependent on the option, of course. So uh, Adrian Martinez is a, a better quarterback, a more dynamic player than the Rutgers quarterback. So we knew that the challenge for the defense was going to be a little bit greater. They had a really great first half, but I think you got to kind of tip your cap to the Nebraska uh, offensive coaching staff. At halftime, they made some clear adjustments that took advantage of some some holes that they found in Michigan's coverage, right, where they were putting the linebackers uh, into a choice against the run and then uh, throwing it over the top of them between the linebackers and the safeties. So there was um, there was a really a challenge there for the defense and the offense had to had to answer. Now the offense was moving the ball well. They moved into uh, scoring opportunities seven times, but settled for four field goals. So I would say this game in the the sixth game of the season is where uh, Jake Moody kind of emerged as really being uh, you know, very accurate, strong leg, but also um, pretty clutch, uh, including hitting the game winner uh, in the fourth quarter with, uh, I think, under two minutes to go in, in this game. So there was some some new heroes kind of emerging. I think we started to have uh, – a, a, we had a big increase in confidence in the kicking game after this one, but there was a, a legitimate concern that the offense wasn't finishing in the red zone. Uh, in terms of points per opportunity, which you know we track, um, and in this game it was uh, it was a little bit more of a concern. Also, what this game boiled down to was making key plays again in, in key moments. It was back and forth. Both teams had things that they could rely on, and both teams had challenges. But when it mattered the most, Brad Hawkins stripped Adrian Martinez on a third down after a conversion. And uh, that turnover led directly to the game-winning field goal. And it, it was kind of a microcosm of that Nebraska season. They just found ways to lose games that were close. And this Michigan team uh, found a way to battle uh, and get a victory on the road. So it was 
it was not uh, a perfect performance by any uh, stretch of the imagination, but there were some new things to build on and be optimistic about and some new challenges that had to be addressed and, and figured out uh, as we went into the second half of the season. You could look at Nebraska's overall record, three and nine, right? And think, oh my gosh, this is a horrible game from Michigan. And yet, if you go back and look, as you said, Nebraska played a lot of people tough and found a lot of ways to lose, right? So you look at this and you go, Michigan as a team spoke all season about playing complementary football, right? And the way I interpret that is that each aspect of the team supports the other, right? So, like you said, special teams stood up, defense stood up. You look at the offense, and except for the the touchdown scored, right, it was really balanced. You had 255 yards passing, 232 yards on the ground. But, again, they could not convert the touchdowns. And, thankfully, they dodged the bullet. But, as you said, this was a game definitely where the field goal kicking bailed them out. And, you know, when you're going to – when you're a team on the rise, a team coming back from a tough season like Michigan it was, you know, they need everything. There are games where you need to rely on different aspects of your of your team. And this was a game where, you know, looking back, a loss to Nebraska at this point in the season would have would have been really hard to come back from. And not only would it have been detrimental um, you know, to their psyche, but just from a, a you know, needing to climb in the ratings, right? Um, it's one thing to lose to a highly rated team, and it's another thing to lose to a team that's below 500. And it, this would have, this would have been a really devastating loss. So, uh, you know, I'm glad that it wasn't. It was awesome that Michigan came through, but this was definitely a nail biter. And again, one of the things I didn't like was um, it. It made me think that. Uh, you know, Nebraska came out, and as you said, you got to tip your hat. They really made some halftime adjustments and came out on fire. But in the fourth quarter, Michigan answered back. And ultimately, um, as Coach Harbaugh said, uh, you know, a few clips ago, you know, it's when they put pretty on the scoreboard, it'll, you know, we'll start worrying about it. Right now, the only thing that matters is that you score more points, points than your opponent. And, uh, you know, Michigan dodges the bullet. Yeah, and the last bit uh, of echo from earlier in the season also was that we saw uh, Blake Corum break a long run for a touchdown around the edge, and Hassan Haskins was really uh, banging in, in between the tackles and, and at the end of the game broke a, a big run that helped uh, help ice the game and, and hurdled a player, uh, another highlight, probably the, one of the highlight runs of the entire season. Um in that Nebraska game where he breaks through the middle and then hurdles the safety. So if you get a chance to go back and watch that clip, I highly recommend it. You know, what's interesting is that, you know, we call these guys boom and zoom, right? And they're really handing off to each other, right? Like mm -hmm. they're, they're very complimentary. Um, Haskins had 123 yards here. Um, Blake had 89, Blake Corum had 89, you know, Haskins had, had a long of 50, Blake had, Blake Corum had a long of 29. I mean, they're really just pounding people and, you know, it's, it's amazing to see. It's great. You know, does the heart good to see, you know, as, uh, the way I love to, to follow the offensive line play, it does the heart good to see, you know, running between the tackles and, and getting it done on the ground. And, uh, again, it, it's, um, tough game, but it's, I'll take a tough win over, over anything. So, um, so Michigan heads into um, the bye week, um, you know, up to number six. And what's interesting about it is, you know, and, and I wonder how this impacts his perception among the media, right? So it's a bye week, so you don't have a lot of media there. And it was interesting because when he didn't have to really talk about an upcoming opponent, he really, um, you know, had some interesting things to say about, um, you know, recruiting, about, you know, this team's, this year's team versus last year's teams, Lloyd Carr, and let's check out those clips. I strive to be at my best every single day. 
you know, no matter what the circumstances are, um, you know, it's a, I strive to attack each day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. It's a, it's a good opportunity, um, to, you know, spend, spend some, spend, spend more time than I normally would, um, in a game week to, um, catch up and uh, whether it's watching tape evaluating guys um, you know, I mean there's a, there's the 22s and then there's the 23s um, so uh, there's there's always so much there I mean that could be actually it is a full-time job for uh, you know, our recruiting coordinator but it's a you know it's also one of the you know, darn near full-time job for for me as well but um, yeah, and I mean, it's getting ready for the, the future opponents, also multitasking. I mean, and nothing helps recruiting, by the way, better than winning. So uh, to keep a you know, the huge focus on, on that. Um, but yeah, get, it, get, some, get some more hours in the day to, to be able to, to uh, put concentration and focus on, on recruiting youngsters to the great state of Michigan and specifically the University of Michigan. What was interesting about that is you don't get Coach Harbaugh talking about recruiting all that often, right? You know, and there's reasons for that. You know, you can't specifically talk about recruits, you know, you know, any specific recruit until after they're on the team. But what I thought was interesting in this is he acknowledged that, you know, to be successful as a program, you need to focus not only on the starting 22s, right, you know, 11 on each side, but you also need to be developing the next generation, the younger players, right? And, you know, I, I think that quote, you know, nothing helps recruiting like winning. I mean, that's hilarious. I mean, it's it's spot on, but, you know, he's he acknowledges that, you know, winning, there there are consequences for winning and losing. And, Winning begets winning, and if Michigan is going to continue to climb, you know, they need to win and leverage that winning into recruiting players who can uh, help them continue ascending. Yeah, this particular week, Harbaugh, I mean, he was asked directly, what does he do in the bye week to help recruiting? You know, so that he was kind of steered down that path. And, And what I heard in his answer is that, you know, it's a lot of work. We got a lot of support people that, that help tackle that. But, you know, my focus on helping this team and this team win is also a big part of our recruiting, you know, and that, that makes a lot of sense. You definitely want to be able to point to success on the field, regardless of what position you're recruiting or what state you're in or, or, you know, what have you. So I think that it's critical. It was a little bit, uh, you know, illuminating uh, on his own approach on, you know, keeping uh, the first thing first and what he prioritizes, especially in season. But uh, in terms of uh, you know, what what we had in the bye week, it made a lot of sense. And I think for us in, in the fan base, and you and I in particular, this is where we had to kind of take a deep breath and, and reflect on the first half of the season. I think we did a, kind of a, a halftime recap, right? And it's like, man, there were we saw a lot of challenges in those first six games and, and there's definitely some things that need to improve, but uh, I don't think any of us expected to be six and zero at this point. <laughs> it was, we had to kind of look around and start absorbing that what we were seeing was really, really uh, leaps and bounds ahead of what we expected to see. So even though that uh, kind of preset um, waiting for the other shoe to drop feeling from the first half of the season, it was time to start thinking. You know, you know this this could be something special. And we probably need to uh, make sure that we're absorbing all of this because uh, they're finding ways to win. And, and previous teams did not do that. So um, this was starting to get a sense of, of something bigger as we headed into the bye week uh, and then kicked off the second half of the season. He was asked a question about what you do in the bye week, and he talked about recruiting. But we have seen him kind of deflect if there's something he doesn't want to talk about, right? And it was for me, it was really interesting that he just acknowledged it, right? Kind of it's the elephant in the room for all college coaches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I thought it was kind of refreshing. 
you know, he also took the opportunity in the bye week. Uh, and what's interesting about the way he answered this next question is, um, so when you talk to um, Jim Harbaugh, right, when he talks to the media, um, and now this is not an absolute because there are times he deviates, but he will, he says right up front, I don't compare things, okay? Now, understand that. I mean, that, that, so I think people wonder why certain questions aren't, aren't asked, right? So when you sit down and you're, and you're, you know, start meeting with the coach, um, he will say, I don't talk about things. I don't compare things. He goes, you know, I don't compare this and that. And if you think about it, it's interesting because that knocks out a ton of questions, right? So what's interesting about this next question is, he actually starts talking about this year's team versus last year's team. And what I find fascinating about it is on one hand, he has this hard and fast rule that he won't do that. But it's obvious that to me that this team is different and he's taking this opportunity to, to kind of reflect himself and to kind of point that out to, to the fan base. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a special group of guys um, that that really like football. Uh, you you see it when they when they practice, the energy that they bring, uh, the fun they're having, the grit. Um, that's what I would. And more more of them like that, you know. Probably more so maybe comparing this team to last year's team, and uh, you know, last team was last year was pretty darn thin when it. When it was all said and done, in terms of uh, you know who really thought it was in their best interest to to play football and or not, you know, based on a based on a worldwide pandemic. Uh, but there's there's no doubt that uh, you know, this this group, you know, going back to uh, you know January, mid January, February. I mean, just started. Uh, the amount of guys that were bought in, uh, you know, that uh, you know were hungry to uh, to be good, you know, picked up picked up some experience in the 20 season, um, but just uh, you know daily, weekly, monthly, the way they the way they worked and came together and. As a, as a group of players has been been very special. And in a lot of ways, it reminds me of some teams we've had in the past. Um, you know, the 15, the 16 team, uh, the 18, the 19 team, uh, the 17 team, uh, in, in many ways, very, very similar. And yet to be seen, maybe better. You know, they still have the license and the ability to do that. It's a gritty team, uh, and they, they've earned, uh, they've, through their preparation, they earned that, that, um, that confidence that they have, because, and they have fun doing it, um, you know, all, all things that uh, I think contribute to, to uh, you know, the, the players having confidence. It's a group of guys, uh, you know, another, another attribute throw on top of uh, you know some of the other ones we mentioned earlier I mean, I mean you gotta like you gotta pull them back I mean it's uh, you gotta say hey no can't, can't do that today you know can't go in that play take as opposed to trying to talk them into it like please you know you gotta pull them back rather than, than talk into and that's that's pretty cool being a real football player you know we talk about coach speak right and in the preseason you know you can write the script right like yeah this team's really into it they can't wait to get at it right but what's interesting here is that the uh the depth that harbaugh talks about the fun that they're having the um intensity the way they go at it and and you can hear there he didn't cite every one of his Michigan teams, right? 
And like I said, it's really interesting to me to hear him kind of um, put this out because if you were to ask him, hey, would you compare this team to last team? He'd pretty much just say, well, you know, I don't do that, right? Like this was pretty much unprompted. And I, I think it's very telling. Yeah, it's he's highlighting the work that the players did to turn around the, the culture and the attitude from 2020 to 21. Right. And, and praising it as much as he can and and showing his appreciation uh, every chance that he gets. And even even this one, like you said, he kind of broke his own unwritten rule of not liking to compare teams to other teams because somebody always gets diminished. But uh it's it's pretty easy to diminish the the 2020 season. We all knew it was a an aberration. So, um, just another example of of him really positively reinforcing what it is about this team that he likes. Right? Never did he say, "I'm so glad that we're six and zero. I'm so glad that we're undefeated. I'm so glad that we've won all our Big Ten games." Right? It's never about results. He constantly is focusing on what he is seeing in their their approach to uh, preparation and their work ethic. And, and that's, uh, that's what you like to see as a coach and, and as the leader of your program. It, 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 it's telling that um, for all of the celebration uh, from game to game and even, you know, throughout an entire season, again, he's, he's very consistent in what it is that he praises. And it's, it's going to be about their mental approach to, to getting ready and enjoying uh enjoying football, all parts of it, not just the games. It's uh, It was really a kind of a peek inside of, of Harbaugh's coaching uh, philosophy from day to day there. In addition to praising his current team, Harbaugh also uh, gave some words to former coach Lloyd Carr. Jim, could I ask you a question about Lloyd Carr and what he's meant to you and what you feel like he's meant to the program? Yeah, he's uh, just been a tremendous uh, supporter. Um Mentor. I mean, I could go all the way back to college and tell you the uh, the uh, the thing he did for me uh, when I broke my arm my junior year. Like anybody who breaks their arm, you're uh, you're out of the lineup. You know, the coaches, the team. The, I mean, they're onto their preparation for the next game, and and uh, you almost as a player, person, you feel a little left out, and. Um, and Lloyd came to me and asked me if I wanted to learn defenses, if I wanted to, uh, if I was interested in helping him break down opposing offenses and, and coverage or uh, routes and learn coverages. And I was like, heck yeah. And uh, he would have me come up to the office over there in the corner of Hoover and State and uh, spend a couple hours a night uh, watching tape with him and and on my own and you know, it was great it was invaluable uh to learn coverages and secondary play and defense um uh, but also just to have the uh hey you know still love you you know and uh if you don't want to be left out help out um so yeah, that's that's where uh, you know I got a long history of uh, of uh, really admiring and respecting Coach Carr. Now what he's done for Michigan is I, mean, I don't know if you can really uh, add that all up. I don't know if that's that's really possible. What he's done uh, for the university, for for the football program, for football, for the game of football. Um, you know every. The connections he has with uh, with the players, the ones he coached, and the ones that um, that are here now. I mean, it's just uh, it's uh, so so much volume to it. Um, you could tell the day he talked to our team and during training camp, and right, came in. I mean, it was standing ovation. It was like every I mean, darn near every guy on the team walked past him, shook his hand, and. And, uh, you know, and he you know, had something to say to each, each and every one of them. So it's just, it's, it's hard to put a, put a percentage on that one. It's, it's huge. 
it's just interesting that when we look at how Jim Harbaugh spoke about Ronnie Bell, right? And, you know, jumping a little bit of a head here. So we did see Ronnie Bell be involved with the team all the way throughout. And we'll talk about that in future episodes a little bit. He makes an appearance. But, you know, it's not just Jim Harbaugh saying, oh, this is how it should be. You know, it's the way he was treated in the program. And he's passing that on. He's passing it forward. And it's interesting to see, you know, when you have a program like Michigan that has so much tradition and history, um, it's interesting to see some of the things that uh, Jim Harbaugh learned as a player echo throughout the program as we move through. Yeah, I, I think the the level of deference and respect to previous coaches and you know historical icons to the program is is obviously important. And it's um, it's encouraging to hear that it's it's something that's honored by the current team, right? You want them to do all the things that we've been talking about in the moment and enjoying their time and their working and everything about this team and winning and, and being successful and achieving your goals. But sometimes being able to take a step back and, and remember that you're a, a piece of a much larger puzzle in terms of uh, the Michigan football family that grows and grows every year with every team and every new player that comes in and, and a guy like Lloyd Carr who, uh, you know, had an impact on the program for decades and not only players that he coached, but uh, coaches that he taught that, that, um, you know, have moved on and then also, you know, helped lead other programs as well. So that, that tree and that network uh, it's nice to hear Jim Harbaugh kind of, Paying, paying homage to that and uh, making sure that the, uh, the current players also understand that piece of it. It's, uh, it's a big part of our program, and it's a, big, uh, it's a big part of what makes Michigan special on the national landscape. On the next episode of the UMGoBlue.com 2021 Michigan Football Spectacular, Blake Corum describes how difficult it is for teams to defend him and Hassan Haskins. Yeah, I mean, we complement each other uh, real well. Uh, a great one-two punch. You know, we both bring different things to the table. Um, and so defenses have to get prepared for that. And, uh, you know, like I said, you know, we feed off each other. David Ajabo describes the mentality of the Michigan defense as they get ready for every game. You know, on behalf of the defense, we always preach uh, nameless, faceless opponents. So we're just going to go out there, execute, and do what we got to do. You know, we can't. We can't start, you know, weighing games and whatever. We just got to go out there and do our job, and the rest will take care of itself. And Jim Harbaugh stresses the importance of staying focused for his team. You have to practice it, and you have to do it, you know, keeping your focus on, on the game in front of you. you know, lest, lest the team will be uh, painfully humbled. Subscribe now to get this episode as soon as it drops. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.